Hi everyone, I'm Mo and I'm the CEO and founder of Product Faculty. In this podcast, you'll hear from Nikhil Singhal, who is the VP of Product at Facebook, talk about a broad range of topics including innovation at scale, product strategy, and general career advice for product leaders. Nikhil mentions that nowadays you can build almost anything. The future of most product innovation isn't going to come from technology innovations, but it's going to come from those people that are able to connect the dots between the users, the business, and insights. Nikhil will also touch on how the best product leaders are those that can see around corners. They're able to anticipate the future based on key trends and take advantage of those trends for their product. Let's dig in. Could you give us a brief snapshot of your scope and mandate at Facebook? My career kind of took sort of two chapters. You know, my desire leaving school was I really wanted to do early stage, start from scratch work, and the internet was just getting built. And so I did four consecutive startups. Then I founded a startup. Then I was the founding CEO of a company that got bought by IBM, and then a founding CEO of a company that got bought by Google. And then I became a product manager. When I got to Google, they sort of said, it looks like you're a product manager. I'm like, oh, what's that? And that's like, well, we're sort of people that like are the CEOs of products. And I'm like, okay, cool, I'll do that. And for four years, I was a product lead for two products. One was called Hangouts, which was the sort of video calling product that looks a little bit like what we're using right now. And then we launched a product called Google Photos, which is the current Google Photos app. And so the two big new consumer apps were sort of, I had the privilege of being part of. Did that for four years. And I decided that I didn't want to end my career at Google and Google has a tendency to suck you in. So I sort of said, well, let me try growth. I've never done hyper growth before. And hyper growth was this idea that you were doubling the company every year. And FinTech was really hot. So I joined a consumer company called Credit Karma. And Credit Karma was in hyper growth and had a 200 employees that had just raised at a $3 billion valuation. 40 million people use Credit Karma to get their credit score. And I joined in for four years, kind of helped back grow that team. It was a 10-person product management team. And when we left, it was a 75-person product management design team. And then almost a third of the U.S. uses the product. So it was a really great ride of moving from just a credit score product to the money button on the phone. And I did that for four years. And then to answer Mo's question, I decided after a few months that, you know, I wanted to take one last operating role. I viewed Facebook as the final kind of operating role in my career. I looked at a number of different opportunities within Facebook, but decided that the best role for me was something in the heart and the center of the company. Sometimes you choose distance from sun is the way I describe it. And so I decided to choose this, uh, a role that's right in the middle of the organization. So Facebook's divided into the different apps. Obviously, there's Messenger and Instagram, WhatsApp the AR, VR work. And then of course, there's the Facebook app itself, what we call Blue, which is the big app that people use that billions of users use on a daily basis. And within that, when you open Facebook, the first thing you see is newsfeed and stories. So it's kind of in the heart of the company, but I've been working there for about 15 months. We have about 50, 60 product managers in that team. You know, one of the most popular products that you know exist in digital today. You've had the opportunity to hire and develop many PMs. What have you seen that sets apart the strongest PMs from the rest? The highest quality PMs tend to see around corners. And so what I mean by that is, you know, there's so many parts to any job. There's so many kind of core skills around like, well, how do you execute and what's your product sense? And how do you think about partnership and relationship? And 
And I think as you grow from sort of an individual contributor to a manager of managers, you end up picking up leadership skills along the way. You know, it's not just knowing what the answers are today, it's anticipating where things are going. You know, like the, using the sports hockey term, it's like skating to where the puck is going. The best product managers, they have a knack, and this can be even at the earliest parts of career, of just sort of seeing what's happening today, but then saying like, you know what, I'm gonna think through what could actually cause my product to struggle. And then I'm gonna start pulling forward that risk into my product plans. So I'm gonna deliver this new feature, but I have a feeling that if this new feature six months from now, we're struggling with adoption, it's because of X. I'm working on X now because when we get there, I'm going to have had three contingency plans, right? Seeing around corners, anticipating where things go, and then pulling that forward as part of their product plan. And that could be execution problems. I think that we're short on engineering. It could be that I'm launching this thing and we don't have any integrity or privacy. It could be inside the building problems, like I'm launching this thing and there's another team working on the same exact that kind of going forward is so critical. This ties in really nicely to our next question. You said you have to be able to see where the puck is headed. In your view, how can PMs develop that skill set, or do you feel that's not developable? Some people have it or they don't? A little bit of a both. I mean, I think that people can develop it by kind of focusing their lens more than today. So I think that some of it is orientation and telemetry and skills which is as you get more familiar with your product, with your process, with the building, with the domain, you do tend to become better at seeing around corners. Like for example, be concrete, one of the challenges that I see in my role today is I'm rather new to Facebook. And so I haven't really thought about all the things that we've done in the past and all the things that maybe we could do when it comes to sort of next generation social. But there are lots of my coworkers that have been at Facebook for 10 years. To answer your question around, is it learnable? I think tenure and domain really help. When I worked at Credit Karma, I was leading the mortgage business as well as the auto business as part of my role. And we were building new products in auto and mortgage. And I think that if I had spent two or three companies of tenure working on mortgage, there's a pretty darn good chance that I would have been able to see around corners. So some of it is teachable. Some of it is also based on curiosity. What I've noticed is that there's a class of person who gets so focused on the process and execution and the delivery that they don't actually end up thinking through like, well, how would I solve that problem? Are you reading up on all the interesting words? Do you have on your phone all the apps that are in your same space? And are you talking to customers all the time about what they're looking for from the product? So this curiosity also gives you a much richer sense of what's happening. Because, you know, if you open up your calendar as a product manager, you're stuck in meetings all day. What are you doing when you're not sort of programmed, when it's not like the managing the inertia? That really can help round out the overall understanding of where things are happening. What have you seen as the most common traps that product managers fall in, in the messy middle of product discovery? You know, especially when it comes to sort of new product features, new product capabilities, I describe it oftentimes as like the drunken walk. I kind of talk about that first phase of product or first phase of company is, you know, you're in this sort of drunken walk because you're running left for a little while 
and then you stop and you go right, and then you stop and you go left. And I think that the most obvious kind of concern that people have is that they think that each of these turns is a bug, not a feature. In other words, if, if I'm trying something new and I try it and I'm very scrappy and it doesn't work, the right thing to do is to celebrate that we've tried something that doesn't work without a lot of waste. But if you're working with engineers, for example, some engineers get exasperated. They're like, well, you told me we were going to go here. And I started building this great infrastructure and I was really trying to scale it up. And now all of a sudden, oh, we're going in a different direction. We're trying to focus on a new capability. That feels like you as a product manager are failing. You should have known this was wrong. And I think that one of the pitfalls is that you kind of have to get all of your team to embrace this sort of drunken walk and not the mindset that what we focus on is correct. Now, there's a period of time when things work and where we start to protect it and it turns into smoke. And when smoke is to fire, then I think that there's this focus on ensuring that you don't end up kind of going too far left or right at that stage. But in this sort of early cycle, that's the number one concern. And then the second, of course, is how quickly you decide to navigate these turns. Sometimes you dig too far in this hole looking for oil and you don't go to the next spot. And so this sort of combination of how do you ensure that you're moving quickly through this, turning left and right, and making sure you're not over-investing, clearly not under-investing, and making sure everyone's along through the ride. And it's not just you on the other side of the table of your team. Those are the things that I can kind of consistency see. When you think about product strategy versus the discovery side of things, how much time do you find you should be spending on the strategic side of things as an example? Like, I'd love for you to kind of talk about the importance product strategy? A terrific question. And I think that it's a really hard question to answer because there's so many dependencies. You know, I think there's this quote, right? Strategy, tactics for breakfast or something like that. I think that having the combination of pointing in the right direction and moving at effective speed is what you're trying to achieve, right? My observation is that not all of you are probably going to take roles in small, early stage companies. You know, a lot of you are going to take roles in bigger structure organizations. And what I would say to you is that the more that the company has scale, distribution, success, and brand, the more important strategy becomes in the overall arc of the product. For example, at a company like Facebook, we have to be very deliberate on where we want to go. The fact is that there's just a lot to lose. You trying to try something on the side has deep ramifications. It could signal to your user base that you're heading into a troublesome area. So you have to kind of think through it. What I mean by think through it is that means you talk to more people, bring more alignment, do more signaling, and you actually start talking about, here's what the business would do in the first base, and here's what second and third base looks like. That's strategy to me. When I was at Credit Karma, we had the same conversation. We wanted to go into banking. My goal was like, look, I want to quickly do something just to add savings as a feature to people using the product. And the board was very much like, look, we're a thousand people. We're a five plus billion dollar company. We have nearly a hundred million users. What if it turns out that we do the savings feature 
and it just falls short. It doesn't turn out to be a lucrative business. And the question was like, could you get to a hundred million dollar business in say three years? And if the answer was no, it didn't mean that the business was bad. It just meant that there's other businesses that we could tackle that would have been more lucrative. So strategy was much more valuable. Having said that, when I was in a startup, there was no user base. There was no customers to sort of lose. In that case, this idea that you would spend four or five months trying to pick the right direction without any data was sort of silly. In that case, what the goal was, was to have a general sense of where you wanted to go, largely based on faith. Then you run super fast in that direction. And if it doesn't work, you don't wait for your board saying, well, I don't know, this is a $100 million in three-year business, or I don't know what will happen with a billion users. You just basically are like, that's not working. I should throw it away and move. So strategy is highly correlated with what you have to lose, in my experience. The intersection of product growth and product management can be tricky at many companies. PMs sometimes or often get frustrated that why is this growth team experimenting in my area? So how has Facebook managed this? Facebook, for the audience here, are the OGs of growth. So I'd love to learn about that intersection of how that works well. It's one of the things that are changing in our industry is the terminology between what is growth product and versus versus sort of more strategic or traditional product. And I have found that Facebook is probably the furthest along in terms of how they built that function. Structurally at Facebook, we have a growth team which is independent of our core team. And so that growth team drives, for example, daily users into the product. Like the product is designed so that certain levers exist in the business that are available to the growth team. At Credit Karma, that was mostly the marketing spend and sort of digital acquisition. And so the way that product team worked, we didn't own the acquisition, the top of the funnel, if you will, for the product. We owned essentially the lifetime value of those users and the funnel, what they would do once they are joined, right? So there was this clear line around which levers do each of the different groups own. Where things get messy is when we have a feature like stories. You end up in a situation where stories is both a feature that the product team owns, but it needs to grow. And in those examples, you're in this situation where you're trying to grow those features and you need growth capabilities within the product management capability. It's a sort of blended area where things get interesting, where you need that growth capability, but you at the same time, you need that product management core owning the actual capability. So it's a blended type of opportunity. So what advice do you have for product managers looking to transition into their first product leadership role? What are some common traps that you've seen? Typically, when people talk about leadership, there's a connection between my goal is to go from an individual contributor to being a manager. Make sure that, that answer actually exists for you. WhatsApp had a 37-person team with zero product managers and arguably half a product manager because they brought in a product manager near the end. And they were sold to Facebook for you know, $18 billion. That product manager wasn't a manager, but it was certainly a leader. <laughs> and so, so what I would say to you is, first of all, the first thing that you have to do is go from sort of a feature to a surface, to a product, to a product line. And the scope is actually what you're looking to grow. And in some ways, when you think about level and size of problem and 
scale and what level of leadership that a person has, I've asked the question of like, what's the biggest problem that I can give that individual in order for them to solve that problem? And the more ambiguous the problem, the more senior they are. In the example of newsfeed and stories, the world that I live in today, the problem that we're asked to do is like, how do we innovate new things for a product that everyone believes and sees in a certain way? How can you change that product to be bigger and different, right? So that's a hard problem. That's a big industry-wide problem. Similarly with Google search, how do you change Google search when more and more people are moving to apps and moving to mobile, right? That's a very big kind of hairy problem. And to answer your question, like the number one thing I would say is that what gets in people's way is one, they get so focused on their careers, the currency of what it takes to get promoted. And that process of kind of going through the career ladder doesn't actually lend yourself to owning a bigger and more ambiguous problem. How do you ensure you're more and more challenging? And then arguably, how do you add the skills necessary to kind of manage and grow from an individual contributor to manager to manager of managers? I'd like to ask you about the future of product management. Where do you think it's headed? Any trends that product managers keep an eye on? The trends that I see in product management are a fewfold. I think that when the first big portals were being built, the Facebooks of the world, the Googles of the world, the Amazons of the world, when these big tech companies, the lion's share of product managers worked at these organizations. And the lion's share of those product managers were effectively sidecars to engineers. And so what engineers ended up doing is they needed people to help shape what was around the corner. They needed people to help partner with other teams. They needed people who actually could talk and communicate and explain the types of things that were technical to non-technical and other folks, right? But if you look over the last 10 years, the companies that have grown, the Slacks, the Lyfts, the Ubers, the Airbnbs, and many others, they actually weren't effectively innovated uh, and built because of technical breakthrough. They were built based on business breakthrough. They were built on bringing innovation into on top of technology platforms that existed, AWS, Facebook for distribution, Google for advertising and discovery, right? The notion of what it took to build a product that was highly successful, that would grow, was foundationally different. The definition of product management, the currency value has radically changed. When I was coming out of college and over even the last 10 years, and it was a big part of my experience at Google, you had to have core deep technical skills. That was the skill. Now, this is the case of how well you code. The skill is how well you analyze. What is your analytical skill has become much more critical than what is your engineering and software engineering skill. Similarly, understanding the business, understanding strategy, the questions that we talked about earlier, is essentially more and more important. As you see more automation taking place and these platforms are becoming more sophisticated and artificial intelligence taking on machine learning, the skill is much more business meets product, much more art meets science. People can build most things now. The question is, how do you build things that are thoughtful, that grow in the right way, 
These are the problems that are where product managers are going to be much more important. And I think that those that can connect the dots on people, users, business are going to be far more important than those that speak tech, you know, because tech is changing so radically in the last five years. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure to subscribe and check us out at productfaculty.com where we offer the number one ranked product management course for experienced product managers, product leaders, and product executives. Thank you.